Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Our church exists to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. For that reason, we want to take a moment and let you know about Growth Track. Growth Track is a three-week class designed to help you connect with us, discover who you are, and develop your leadership. Sign up for Growth Track and get more information at creekwoodchurch.com slash growthtrack or on our Creekwood Church app. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. What's up, Creekwood? How we doing? We doing okay? Uh, well, just so you know, I'm not Pastor Stephen. Um, so my name is Desi Hink, and I am a church member here. I actually have the pleasure of serving at Dallas Baptist University. Um, but it is a total honor for me to be here today, and uh, I love this church. My wife and I love this church. Um, it's great to be a part of this church. Let me tell you, if you're new to Creekwood, um, or you're a first-time visitor, you have stumbled into a good place. Uh, this is a place that is alive and growing, and God is moving. Um, so excited about all that's happening here at Creekwood. Uh, thankful that my family gets to be a part of this family. And so welcome, and I'm so glad you're here. So we are in the middle of a series uh, called One Another, and we're looking at the one another's of Scripture. And uh, how many of you know that if our world could get a hold of how God has called us to treat one another, that we'd be in a lot better place? Okay, and so today, uh, I want to keep with that theme of one another, and we're going to be talking about how to be at peace with one another. And as we were singing that song, uh, I just couldn't help but just in my spirit just think that some of us needed to be reminded that we serve a Savior, that the wind and the waves still know his name. And so I don't know what you're going through today, but I'm so thankful that we serve a God who's alive that can speak peace to any situation you're facing today. That was for free. I just felt it while we were worshiping, okay? But, um, but the point is that I believe that God has a supernatural peace for each one of us. And uh, I want to look at the scripture found in Mark chapter 9, verse 50. And I'll tell you a little preview of what we're going to do today. I'm going to talk to you about how do we have peace and how do we walk in peace and how do we pursue peace with those around us. And uh, I'm going to read this passage here. I'm going to open up in prayer and then we're going to get after it. So let's, uh, let's look at Mark chapter 9, verse 50. It says, salt is good, but if the salt becomes unsalty, with what will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourself and be at peace with one another. Now, just a few verses back, the disciples were arguing about who was going to be the greatest. They had pride and envy. They were contentious. And Jesus comes to me and says, look, be at peace with one another. Let's pray. God, we come before you today. Lord, we humble ourselves. God, we need you. Lord, we ask that you would fill this place, God. Would you speak to every heart, Lord? Lord, would you bring peace into a, every situation we're facing, into every relationship? God, I pray for every person that walked in this room. Lord, may you speak to them. And every word that's not of you may it fall to the wayside. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So as you are well aware, we're living in a very contentious time. 
It seems like we are living in a, in a polarized society. It seems like our politics are divisive and there's, there's all kinds of negative rhetoric everywhere you go. We kind of have this us versus them mentality everywhere you look. Like if you're not for me, then you're against me and I don't wanna hear what you have to say. I mean, everywhere you look, there's all types of frustration and pain and anguish and anger and envy and strife. The total opposite of peace. When I was thinking about peace, I think sometimes the best way to understand a word is to look at the, a word that's opposed to it. And so I looked up what is the opposite of peace, and these are the words that came up. Conflict, contention, discord, dissidence, strife, trouble, turmoil, unrest, upheaval, fighting, warfare, battle, combat. I mean, everywhere you look, I mean, just drive down the road. How many of you have ever been on 35. Have you ever seen some road rage on 20, 287, 360, broad? <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Almost weekly, I see road rage. I was, just last week, I was on 360 on my way to work during rush hour, and we literally got to dead stop traffic. I mean, we're not moving, and somehow, some guys got in conflict while we're not moving. They get out of their car, and I mean, they're cussing each other. They're about to go to blows. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Should I pull out my phone, record it, maybe get some followers? You know what I'm saying? I mean, what should I do here? So I'm like, I gotta do something. So I open the door, I get out of the car, and I say, Pastor Steven, get back in your car. Those people go to Creekwood. This is embarrassing. It was a joke. It was a joke. I'm just kidding. But the truth is, I don't think it just shows up on the road rage on 20 or 360. But I think if we're going to be honest, there's a lack of peace in our home sometimes. There's a lack of peace in our work. There's a lack of peace with our children, maybe with our spouse. That everywhere we look... We find ourselves battling for peace, but it's hard to find. And what I want to know is, are you ready to come become a people of peace? Are you ready to say, you know what, I want to be the type of person that doesn't add fuel to the fire, but speaks peace to the storm? Have you ever been around those people that, man, when they walk into the room, somehow they just stir it up? You know what I'm talking about? Like everything was fine until they came in and they just start stirring stuff up and it seems like everywhere they go, there's drama and there's problems and there's contention and they're always kind of stirring something up with somebody. On the other hand, have you ever been around those people that when they walk into a room, there's just this calm that comes? Like you, there can be just like some frustration and the people are starting to get heated and, and then th that type of person just walks into the room and all of a sudden they can just hush the problem. You know what I'm talking about? Those type of people. I read a story of a guy by the name of Vasily Arkhipov. And Vasily Arkhipov was a chief of staff of a fleet of Russian submarines. He was 36-year-old back, he was a 36-year-old man back in 1962. And this fleet of submarines got news that they were going to go out. And so the crew of this fleet of submarines thought that they were just going to go on a training mission. And so they were prepared just to go off uh, in, a, in a local training mission, but they soon found out that they were supposed to head 5,000 miles southwest. This was a Russian submarine group of men, and they were going to go 5,000 miles southwest off the coast of Cuba. And they were supposed to spearhead a new base. 
So they get word, and so they start to travel towards their destination, realizing they need to move quickly. They, they went across the surface of the water. They went across the surface of the water straight into Hurricane Daisy. When Hurricane Daisy hit them, it was 50-foot swells smashing into their submarines. This left the crew nauseated. It left the submarines compromised. But they pushed forward. They kept going until they got to the tropical waters. Now, these submarines were designed for the Arctic waters, and now they're in the, in the tropical waters. And when they got to the tropical waters inside those submarines, it got to 120 degrees Fahrenheit. And it was at that temperature for about three weeks. And then they get off the coast of Cuba where they're supposed to set up a base. And then they get a cryptic message from Russia telling them to go to the coast of Florida. Frustrated, they head on to Florida. As they enter the American waters, they're quickly surrounded by 12 Navy vessels. The American Navy begins to set off depth chargers. The captain at this point is so rattled and so frustrated that he calls his men together into his chambers, beats his fist on the table, and says, launch the missiles. We will not be disgraced. And what the Americans didn't know, and what maybe you might not know, is those four submarines were carrying nuclear warheads with the power to destroy whole cities. And Vasily, the chief of staff, goes to the captain and says, can I just have a moment of your time before you make any rash decisions? Can I speak to you privately? The captain concedes, and he talks to Vasily, and Vasily says, look, let's just hear the Americans out. You don't have to do this. Just give it a minute. Let's just hear what they have to say before you do this. So they surface the, they surface the submarines. They're greeted by the Americans who eventually let them leave, and they headed back to Russia with no bombs being detonated. Now this was kept under wraps until 2002 and now Vasily is, is often referred to as the unsung hero of that generation. And you might be sitting there going, okay Desi, what does that have to do with me? Well, you might not face the hurricane winds of Daisy, but I think some of you have felt the mounting pressures of caring for loved ones who are ill or maybe dealing with the weight of debt that seems to be strangling you. Or maybe you haven't been in the heat of the tropical waters, 120 degrees, but you felt the heat of the contention in your marriage. You felt the heat of the rebellion of your children. You've held, you felt the heat of a boss that's difficult to work for. You felt the depth chargers of our culture all around you. And you have a choice. Are you gonna be the type of person that hits the button and defends yourself and demands respect? And you're gonna make it, you're gonna get vengeance. Or are you gonna be the person that speaks calm? 
to the storm. So, we had to figure out how do we become a people of peace that can walk in peace with one another. And I think in order for us to do that, the first thing we have to realize is that the peace of God is a supernatural peace and not a circumstantial peace. If you have your Bibles, you can look with me at John chapter 14, verse 27. And I want to show you that the peace that we can have in Christ is not the type of peace that this world offers. If we're going to become a people of peace, we can't be dependent on worldly peace. But we have to pursue the supernatural peace that can only be given by God. And so if we're looking at John chapter 14, verse 27, I want to kind of set the scene for you a little bit. This is Thursday of Passion Week. Jesus is finished the Last Supper. He's sitting with his disciples. Uh, Judas is already headed off. And so now here he is with his, with his 11 disciples, and, and, and he's saying, look, here, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go away, and, and, and this thing isn't going to turn out the way you thought it was going to turn out because you thought I was going to totally uh, establish a new kingdom that was earthly, but I'm going to go and I'm establish a heavenly kingdom. And, and they're confused, and they're frustrated, and they're like, what's happening? What are you saying? I don't understand this. And Jesus, knowing that he's about to go to the cross, and he's about to endure shame and pain and rejection and all that comes with the cross, and he... And in that moment, he's looking at his disciples and he sees the frustration, the worry, and the pain in their faces. And this is what he says to them. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And I think there's some people in this room today that you're facing some frustration and some situations and some hardships and some confusion in your life. And you're going, you know, what? I didn't think it was going to be this way, Jesus. Like, I thought if I just showed up to church, it was going to be different. Like, I thought you were going to do things differently than what they're turning out to be. Like, I thought when I followed you, like, it wasn't going to end this way. And this is confusing. And I don't know why I'm going through this. This is hard. And I think right now, Jesus is saying in this room, don't let your heart be troubled. I have a peace that I'm going to give you that this world can't give you. And I know it's confusing right now, and I know you're frustrated, and I know you're even scared. But I'm trying to tell you there's a peace that's different than what this world has to offer. It's a supernatural peace. See, the first point I want to make is that if we have a biblical peace, it's the peace of reconciliation with God. That if you have been made, that if you've made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, then that means the most important peace has already happened, that your sins have been wiped away, that you're no longer an enemy with God. But not only can you have peace with God, you can have a supernatural peace in every situation you're facing. But it's not a worldly peace. See, the worldly peace, the peace that this world offers, man, it's the kind of peace that we pursue through all kinds of distractions. You know what I'm talking about? We pursue it through drugs, through alcohol, through recreation. We pursue it through all types of distractions, thinking that somehow if I can just step away from reality for a minute, then I can gain some type of peace. 
But see, that peace is a counterfeit peace. It's not a true peace. It's not a lasting peace. It's a peace that's going to leave you empty at the end of it. Let me give you an example. Worldly peace is when your 401k is looking good, but it leaves as soon as there's a setback in the market. See, worldly peace is when you're on a beach vacation, but it leaves as soon as you go back to work on Monday. Worldly peace is when you go to the mall for a little retail therapy, but it leaves as soon as you get that credit card bill. Uh-oh, I'm meddling now. <laughs> Don't be elbowing your spouse too much there, okay? But my point is that when we look at the peace of this world, it's momentary, it's fleeting, it's circumstantial. It revolves around what's happening to us. See, worldly peace, I think, is a minimalist definition of peace. It's a moment of calm. It's a moment of tranquility. It's a brief truce. Historians have defined peace in this world as the lull in a battle when everybody stops to reload. It's not a lasting peace. Hadn't that ever happened to you? You thought, okay, if I can just get five minutes to myself. And you go away and whatever that five minutes looked like for you. And then you come back and as soon as you encounter the problems, you're just as frustrated, just as mad, just as angry, just as spiteful, just as rude as you were before you left to go play that round of golf. Oh, sorry, I'm kidding. (laughs) But here's what I'm saying. There's a peace that surpasses the natural peace of this world. And it's a supernatural peace. And it's a peace that can only come from God. The peace that we have from God and referred to in his scripture is what is a familiar word to us. It's known as shalom. It's the Old Testament word for peace. And we use this, this word is found 250 times in the Old Testament. Shalom is a very big word. It's an all-encompassing word. In his essence, it means completeness, contentment, fulfillment, satisfaction, blessing, prosperity on all levels. In the New Testament, the counterpart to the word shalom is arene. It literally means to describe a tranquil state of the soul, a soul at rest, a satisfied soul. It's the kind of, it's the kind of peace that no matter what you're facing, that you can have assurance. It's the kind of peace that whenever you're going through the storms of life, you can sing, it is well with my soul. It's the kind of peace that whenever you're facing setbacks in your work, you're not moved or broken. You stand firm in the truth of the gospel. It's the kind of peace that when you wake up and your 401k takes a dip, you're okay because you have a peace in Christ. It's the kind of peace that no matter what your marriage is going through, you know you're going to make it through because you have a peace this world can't give you. It's a deep peace. It's a residing peace. So here's my question. I love that. I love that. But how do we get that? It's one thing for me to sit here and tell you about that peace, but how do you get that peace? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because Jesus tells us in John chapter 15, verse 4 through 5, he says, Remain in me, and I also will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, 
you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, the second point is that peace, the peace of God is never manufactured by man. It is only produced by the work of the Spirit. Let me say that again. The fruit of God, the peace of God, is never manufactured by our own works, but it's only produced by the Holy Spirit. See, when I was preparing this message, I came across Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23, and this is what I found out, that peace is a fruit. Peace is a fruit. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. See, the peace that God offers us is not circumstantial, it's supernatural, but it's a fruit of our lives. And I started thinking about fruit and how do we bear fruit. Okay, I get it. It's supernatural. I can't, it's not like the world has. Okay, it's a fruit in my life. Okay, so if it's going to be a fruit, I know I have to abide in Christ. I have to stay in Christ. And I thought, okay, what does it look like to remain in Christ? How do I remain in Christ? And I came across this familiar passage, and I want you to look at it with fresh eyes, but it's in Psalms chapter 1, verse 2 through 3, and it says this. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their lives, their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Man, I don't know if you're like me, but when I hear about being a tree planted by the waters, I am like, yes, Lord, I want to be an oak tree for you. Yes, I never want to wither. Oh, man, I want to prosper in all I do. Don't you want to? Doesn't that sound good? But sometimes when I leave church, I don't feel like an oak tree. When the storms of life come, I still feel like I'm withering. And then I thought about this. A tree never starts as a tree. It starts as a seed. See, we don't start as a big oak tree. We start as a seed. And a seed has to be planted in order for it to grow. And here's what I think. I think a lot of us Whenever we get the seed of the truth of God in our lives, whenever we get planted, we start to get some dirt on us. And when we get that dirt on us, we don't like it. It doesn't feel good. The pressures of life. And so what we do is we uproot ourselves. And we get out of the situation. We uproot ourselves from the truth of God's word. We uproot ourselves from the, from the practices that are biblical. We uproot ourselves from our situation. We get out of the situation. So we uproot ourselves before we begin to bear fruit. But I want to tell you today that if you want to be a people that bear fruit in your lives, you have to get planted and you have to stay planted long enough for your roots to take root and start to go down deep enough. And I know that right now it feels 
difficult. I know right now you feel like, Desi, you don't understand the weight and the pressure, and I don't like this dirt, and I don't like being under, because this is hard. But what I'm trying to tell you is if you can stay rooted, if you can say, I'm going to abide in Christ, I'm going to remain in him, I'm going to stay long enough to let your roots go down deep and push through the hard soil of life, and you can say, okay, as I know there's going to come a day where I'm going to break through this situation, and I'm going to bear fruit in my life. Look, I, I know that for some of you that are under the dirt of life, that it feels like you're buried. But here's what I want to tell you. The place where God's working in your life can feel a whole lot like being buried. But there's a difference between being buried and being planted. Let me explain it to you. If I take a coffin and I dig a hole and I put that coffin in the ground and I cover that coffin up, it's buried. But if I take a seed and I dig a hole and I put it in the ground and I put that dirt on top of it, it's planted. And the only difference between being buried and being planted is what's on the inside. And what I want to tell you is that John tells us that he who's on the inside of us is greater than he who is in the world. So if you got Christ on the inside of you, you're not buried. You're going to make it through. You're only planted. So it doesn't matter what you're going through today. God's got a plan that he's working through your life that you can bear much fruit. Amen. Woo. I tell you what, I'm trying to get you to a place where you can begin to bear fruit in every season of your life, in every relationship. And when you know that you're not buried, but you're planted, you can get a resolve that you're going to make it through. That no matter what, I'm going to see this thing through. So, point number three. Once we begin to bear fruit in our lives. So see with me, here we go. So once we realize that the peace that God offers us is not like the world gives. What I mean by that is your problems aren't going to go away. You're still going to have to deal with the tough stuff of life. But we're going to get that supernatural peace by staying rooted in God. We're going to push through the pain. But then point number three is we have to pursue peace. Here's what I mean by that. Fruit was meant to be shared. And so as you begin to grow in your faith, you have to, you have to be willing to become a people of peace. And that means you have to pursue peace with those around you. Listen to how Peter tells us in 1 Peter Chapter 3, verse 9 through 11. He says, Don't repay evil for evil, 
Do not retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. If we're gonna be like a people that are peaceful, if we're gonna pursue the path of Vasily, then we can't just sit idly by. Like what would have happened if Vasily wouldn't have stepped up and, and pursued the captain and spoke peace to that situation? And so what I'm telling you is to be peaceful isn't just to be passive. It doesn't mean that you just sit quietly while there's contention in your home and there's brokenness in your relationships. It doesn't mean that you just fold your arms and say, oh, well, I have an inner peace. No, Peter tells us that we have to pursue it, that we have to be willing to go after it. And I love how Peter starts this by saying, look, this is how you pursue peace. He says, don't repay evil for evil. When someone wrongs you, don't wrong them back. Don't retaliate with insults. Instead, pay them back with blessing. When someone comes to you and they're rude to you, don't retaliate. Bless them. It'll, it'll blow their minds. They'll be like, what? I love how he talks about right here. He says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Man, how many of our problems in this world are because of our words? How many problems could be fixed if we refused to speak evil? And we chose to bless people. We chose to say, you know what? I'm not gonna retaliate, but I'm gonna come into this situation. I'm gonna speak truth and life into you. I'm not gonna speak cursings and destruction. I was at a conference and the owner of the, the, the CEO of the Mavs was there and, and we were talking about company culture. She said one of the ways that she sets company culture is that whenever, uh, if, a, if an employee walks in and they have something bad to say about someone else, that they're, you know, tattletelling, then what she'll say is, she'll say, hold on just a minute, and she'll pick up the phone and she'll call that person in. And she calls that person and she says, okay, so you had something to say. Let's work through this. And I thought, how much pain could be stopped if we refuse to gossip? How much pain could be stopped if we use our mouths for good? And we decided that we're gonna pursue peace. And we walked into a situation where someone was stirring it up and we decided to speak peace to where people are stirring it up. We decided to speak peace to the storms of our life. Whenever we have that contention with our spouse, we decided to speak peace in those moments. I wanna close with this. The peace that God offers us is a supernatural peace. This isn't a peace that you can get on your own. This is a peace that only comes from God.
And I want to tell you today, I know that when you leave this place, that you're still going to have problems. I know that you're going to walk into a broken world and broken relationships. And from, for some of you, you're going to have a broken home that you're going back to or, or, or a broken marriage or rebellious kids or all kinds of things. But if I can get you to understand that peace is not a destination that somewhere you arrive to. Because if you think that peace is a destination somewhere out there that you can get to, then here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna look at your kids and you say, if I can just get through the terrible twos. Well, what happens after the terrible twos? Then you get to the horrific threes. And have you ever had a middle schooler? And what about those high school kids? And oh my gosh, the college kids today. And now I'm going through a midlife crisis. Oh, and now I'm about to retire. And I look back at my life and I think, oh my gosh, what have I done with my life? And somehow you're always looking for peace out there. But what I'm trying to tell you is that the peace of God is in here. It's a peace that's not to be pursued out there. It's a peace that swells up on the inside. And you can walk into any situation and you can be the calm in the storm. You can walk into any situation and you can bring peace to where there's restlessness. You can be the peace in the world. Because this world needs peace. Your kids need peace. Your marriage needs peace. Your work needs peace. Our world needs peace. So abide in Christ. Stay planted. Stay rooted. And no matter what you go through, hold on to Christ. Hold on to his truth. Speak life. Bless those that curse you. Be kind to those who spitefully use you. And we'll see peace in our lives. Let's pray. God, we come before you today. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. God, I ask right now that you would bring peace to the restless hearts. Lord, to those places where we feel buried. God, even right now, Lord, there's some in this room that say, I feel buried. God, by your Holy Spirit, would you illuminate the truth to them that they're not buried, they're planted. God, and you are good soil to be planted in. Lord, we ask these things in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you have been encouraged by the ministry of Creekwood Church and would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at creekwoodchurch.com or on our Creekwood Church app. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.